0: So, talk about not knowing what's going to happen next. There are four Simmonses who are going to say something, but we haven't actually talked to each other. (laughs) At all. (laughs) So, but we do have a title and we do have a theme, which is God the Storyteller. So we thought, or Dave thought, it would be fun if we told you a story to start with. Is that right? Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah, 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 I'm with you. <laughs> it's going that well, was
1: what we planned. <laughs>
0: um, so this story, those of you that uh, will have chatted to us any time around Christmas or just before will have been aware that we had some uh, small visitors in our house. Yes. Lots of them. So... I'm sure none of you have ever had that. It's a bit like asking parents if any of their children have ever had head lice, isn't it? <laughs> um, but anyway, we had, it became apparent that we had quite a problem in the house. It was that an infestation. It was an infestation. Well, that might be a little bit over the top. Anyway, <laughs> No, it was pretty bad. But anyway, they were contained to the downstairs area. Um, But they got quite bold, so once we had a few people round for lunch, and they were just kind of boldly strolling out across the kitchen floor, didn't even care whether there were ten people in the room. So this was fine. Um, Well, it wasn't fine. It wasn't fine.
1: (laughs) Uh, We kind uh, of thought we had it under
0: control. The the problem was that we had my mum coming to stay for Christmas, who just so happens to be here today, Mm. and uh, she wasn't too fond of... Of, of mice. So we, we told her, yeah, they're just downstairs, everything's fine, we're, we're no sorting it, we're taking measures, precautions, as it were. Um, so, anyway, two days before Christmas, all the bedrooms are full of, of people, not mice. <laughs> 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 so my mum's staying, Toby's home, the, you know, we're all. We're I all had
1: the- a very important meeting the next day. I had to drive to Sussex the next day to meet with the police. So I was particularly anxious to get a really good night's sleep.
0: So anyway, we go to bed, and it was quite late. It was about half twelve. And then we hear this rustling in the bedroom. You know when you, put, you can put down a um, carrier bag, and it kind of shifts a bit, but it's just because you've just put down the carrier bag. Neil, Neil knows what I'm talking about. So I'm thinking, hopefully... It's just because I bought up a bag of presents, not yet wrapped, put it in the bedroom, and it's just shifting a bit. I was thinking,
1: Tell me it's not true. We
0: didn't rehearse,
1: did Say it? it's just a story.
0: So but no, it was. Anyway, uh, we suddenly realised that we had company in the bedroom. It was half twelve at night. So we turn on the light, and to speed things up a bit, this one creature is going absolutely mental. It was out of its mind. It was running all across the floor. So
1: I got a pole. Because when you've got a mouse in the room, you need a pole. <laughs> so His d- name was Vladislav. We called him Vladislav the Pole. <laughs> Actually, that's a Czech name, but never mind.
0: So this mouse is now running up and down the curtains literally the height of the curtains in the bedroom zipping across the floor i'm standing on the bed with my pajama bottoms tucked in my socks (laughs) because that felt better and we did have a pole in our hand so time is passing we're trying to do this quietly we're getting more and more exhausted because my mum is asleep on the landing and i'm looking at the crack under the door thinking if that thing gets out and gets into her room This is not going to be a good scenario. So two hours later, we are still chasing this thing. We are
1: declaring God's power over this thing. We are sending it to the nether regions. We are Uh, crying out to God for victory in this thing. So
0: we brought various uh, mechanisms and devices up into the room to try and contain the thing. All sorts of stuff. So this is going on. Uh, Dave's getting a little bit anxious. I actually went to the... Uh, bathroom at one point and saw the bath, and thought, Well, we can't sleep in the bedroom tonight, that's for sure. Is it, could we possibly, you know, one Sle- of <laughs> us sleep in the bath or the car? Because, and how many nights is going to Anyway, it did actually come to a conclusion when the thing ran up, jumped up, in fact, into Dave's dressing gown, which was on the bathroom. I mean, of the it was door. on the
1: pillow at one point, just yeah, staring at me. On the
0: pillow, on come the on. Thing, seriously. I could see you. <laughs> It, it, it overstepped its mark. So it goes up there, and to cut a long. You could story see the tail short, hanging down. It was
1: really uh creepy. We
0: grabbed stuff that was available, such as deodorant and other things. And it was safely uh, ta- taken, out with, taken out of the room in the end. So that was good, and we did get sleep. But after two hours of this thing.
1: It was amazing. But I got to my meeting, you'll be glad to know, and the police didn't know any, any different, so...
0: So, we realised that, as a family, we have... That has nothing to do with anything we're going to talk about. <laughs> so got, anyway, as a family, we appear to have collected stories over the years. Um, crazy stuff, whether that's disastrous camping trips, many of which you will know... Memories of Ling Coles crawling round in the mud, in the fog in May, digging a trench round our tent so that the river could go round it and not through it, uh, and so on. Even the run that we did for the coffee shop last week, if people said, how did the run go? My answer was, I took a wrong turning. <laughs> <laughs> Twice there was the finish line and the road and I went straight by it and I was running along the road thinking where's everyone else, where are the runners so we seem to have a way of making a story out of stuff the ordinary stuff of life Um, but we got particularly uh, excited when um, Jamie announced the idea of collecting stories and people having youth for lunch and stuff so Peter and I sat down one day We're like, oh, but there's this story, and there's this story, and we started to write down loads of amazing stuff. So these are just daft stories, camping and and mice, but not to mention the stuff that God's done. So we started to kind of craft these, and we made um, little one-line sentences, such as, God speaks through a sweatshirt. There's a whole story behind that. Or, A-level disaster, but God shows up. And we wrote them down and we actually ended up using them in the corner coffee house on a Thursday night. Plug. uh, To uh, just as a springboard into what God has done. Um, So Dave is going to tell us a little bit about the thinking and the research behind story. Stories.
1: Yeah. Storytelling is a really fascinating thing. Um, There's actually some research around it. Um, by two particular guys. One guy um, was talking about the fact that when we tell stories, it's not so much the telling of the stories, it's the listening. Because the brain appreciates patterns. We look for patterns everywhere. And um, when we look at things, often we can't make head and a tail of them. But the brain always tries to find something. So it looks at people's faces and sees symmetry and sees things it recognizes. And it it releases uh, recognition hormones that make us feel good. And we see the pattern in stories. We actually recognize the beginning and then we think, oh wow. And then the middle where it all gets difficult for the protagonist, the person in charge, the person about who the story is. And so we start to really start, we start to get excited and think, what's going to happen? And then boom, the ending comes or there's some kind of resolution or, or something. And it's incredibly powerful. It's something that our brains are actually hardwired to appreciate. We hear the story and it kind of lights us up in a way. And that's because God, the greatest storyteller of all, created us to be storytellers, to be story appreciators. And it's so important, I think, that we pass down our stories, not just to one another, not just at the corner coffee house on a Thursday evening, between, well, I think we start telling stories at about eight o'clock, but there's coffee from seven and cake. Anyway, um, <clears throat> free cake, actually, on the Thursday evening, um, but we tell stories because we think it's really important to keep repeating the things that God has done. A few weeks ago, I was invited to download a book onto my Kindle, and I read a Kindle. I enjoy reading books on Kindles because they tend to be a lot cheaper. (laughs) And uh, this particular book was amazing because it told the story of a young couple from Scotland who uh, took a boat in 1914, round about when the war was breaking out, and they went to, to India and they went to a village there, and they started working there. And the, the book is full of amazing stories that happened to this couple. And I can imagine as the couple grew older, they added to their store of stories. They moved from one village to another. They kept building sort of uh, communities wherever they were. And there were all sorts of diseases that happened and animal attacks and all sorts of things. And examples of God's care for them, miraculous care for them, and it's a wonderful book to read. I can't remember what it's called, actually. Anyway, um, but the couple came back to England, and they, um, he became a teacher, and then they went and became professors, and they had children, and their children had children. And the reason I'm telling you that story is because you won't have heard of Archie and Maggie Waters, the couple, but you would have heard of Hannah Hilton, because she is their great-granddaughter. And I think it's amazing that her family curated this story. I I bet they told the story whenever they had a roast dinner. They probably sat down and, tell us about the cheetah. Tell us about the this. Tell us about the that. The, the, The disease that rampaged through the villages and God protected you and that little girl who fell in the water and so on. Loads of stories. And then someone said, let's write them down. So they wrote them down. And from there, it became a book. And I think it's really key that we steward the stories that God gives to us. We look after them, we write them down. In the Bible, it talks about writing them on our foreheads and on our right hands to remember the things that God has done. And um, I'm very privileged to have had uh, some amazing family members. My great-grandfather was a preacher in, a Methodist preacher in Chicago, and he had a lot of people attend his funeral when he died. Huge swathes of the town came out. They couldn't fit everyone in because he was such a popular preacher. Um, My grandfather wrote a book about his adventures with Douglas MacArthur in the Pacific War. And it's just lots of things. And he he published it. Not many people read it. But it's important. Family history is there in book format, in story format. And it's no surprise that God spoke to us through a big story book. Thousands of stories in one book. And they followed Jesus to the e- ends of the area because he was a storyteller.
0: Okay. Um, so thinking about our personal story, I used a couple of examples of uh, you know, silly Simmons stories that we collect. But we, in our family, have, just thinking this morning when we were singing, amazing stories of what God has done, um, setting Jeremy free from a lifetime of anxiety, Um, Toby, with his depression, calling Peter out of his bedroom, sitting on his own to what we can see now. Um, So what if we were ready to tell that whenever? So it's an encouragement to us all, really. Um, in 1 Peter, it says, always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So, Dave was saying about valuing the story. Um, I hate losing things, and I hate forgetting things. It just makes me so cross. Um, so I've already started to write down our family stories and things as we gather and things that God does, so that I won't remember, and we can tell each other and tell, uh, you know, just continue to keep those stories alive. And we were in Coventry recently with Alan and Jenny, and they took us to a really great cafe restaurant place uh, where all the people who work there had badges that said, "Ask me why I'm here." Uh, and the reason why they said that is because it was um, a Christian charity that ran it and each of the people working there were ex-addicts and this was part of their rehabilitation. I just think, what a great way, ask me why I'm here. Um, similarly, a good friend of Toby's in Sunderland um, who had a past history of violence and drug dealing and so on, he loves to chat to people on the street and he would say to them, uh, do you believe in miracles? And if they say no, he says, pick a number between 1 and 15. And they'll say 7. And so he has collected 15 stories of amazing points in his life where God has done something. And they get it anyway. If, 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 <laughs> if they, he says, uh, do you believe in miracles? And then they say yes, pick a number between 1 and 15, <laughs> let me tell you one. But he's got those stories ready, which I think is amazing. So... Just thinking of our lives as stories and unfinished stories, really, I wonder what page we would think we were on today. And um, perhaps we think we 're just beginning. you know we 're at the intro, perhaps we 're just beginning to find out who God is. But I know I can think back and at the time when I chose to follow Jesus um, i thought that was the beginning but actually when i look back i could see previous points in my life where god had started to draw me along the way so it wasn't like me deciding i'm beginning this story god had already started it and i think i find that quite fascinating um, that actually he's doing it um, perhaps it's an adventure perhaps you're in an adventure story or a mystery or an unfinished plot um I wonder if anyone's ever sneaked to the end of a book to see what happens. Um, but actually, we don't always get to know quite what's coming, because if we did, we wouldn't have to trust God for that bit if we knew it all. And I know for me, sometimes if I've got stuck in my life in a particular chapter or a season or a day or a week, um, I can lose hope and get frustrated Um, And I end up just only looking at where I'm at about me in this moment, in this page, and I kind of lose sight of what God's doing. Um, So we're wired, as Dave said, to want to know and to trust and to kind of complete that story, and it's God that's doing that. Um, One of my favorite verses, which I know I've said before when I've um, spoken is the bit from Lamentations that says, when I'm basically thinking about all the bad stuff, when I'm thinking about my woes, my soul is downcast. And yet, when I call to mind and remember the good stuff, I have hope because God's great love does not, you know, he he is renewing that and his compassions never fail. So... I've got a feeling that we're in the middle of our stories and God has some interesting things to complete here Um, my last verse and I think Pete's going to take over is um, there are good things to come and it says in 1 Corinthians no eye has seen or ear has heard no human mind has conceived of the things that God has prepared for those who love him so I think we've got an opportunity to kind of Go with that and see what happens.
2: Cool. Um, So, I kind of want to pick up, hopefully it will flow on quite nicely from what they've just been sharing, but I want to share a little bit of a revelation that God's kind of given me over the last, let's get that staying there, over the last... um, Two years, really, and it's it's something that I want to encourage myself to do more often. But it's something I also want to encourage you to do. And it's about um, how we steward stories and how we uh, use stories in order to um, learn more about what God's like, learn more about His nature, become more familiar with who He is, and um, learn to worship Him as well. And it's how we can take the stories that we have in our lives and in other people's lives and everyone around us and use them. To, uh, as a springboard into finding more of who he is, basically. Um, so I kind of want to share this this morning. Hopefully um, it won't be too long. So I'll, yeah, I kind of just want to talk a little bit about the journey that God's led me on this. So God, we kind of looked at the importance of stories and how God has created us all to enjoy stories and understand and really, we really connect with a good story. I don't think there's a single person who wouldn't say they don't enjoy a story in whatever form it is, whether it's a film, a book, or um, even just a conversation. And that is something that God's put inside of us. And God has given every single one of us um, a story. It's in our lives. There's a story of our lives. And you know, there's obviously the big story, but there's lots of little ones made up. And I'm sure we can bring to mind, if we really think about it, the things that God has done, those testimonies, those breakthroughs. And it's interesting how easy it is to forget them. But it's amazing how, um, how powerful it is when we remember them and actually think about them and turn them over in our minds. And so we've got these stories, these testimonies in our lives. But we've also, we're surrounded by incredible stories of the people um, who are around us in church, who are around us in our families, and and things like that. So there is an absolute abundance. There's a richness of stories around us, and I kind of want to explore a little bit about how we can approach those stories. This might be fairly you ma- you may have heard this or done this before, but for me, it was a real it was a real breakthrough and a real under- got me into real understanding how I can learn and know God more. Um, So, yeah, I believe at the root of every story, every testimony of God, there is almost like an open door to know more of who he is, to know more about his character and his nature. Um, So, for example, we hear a story about someone being healed by God's power. There's an understanding that God is a healer. It's not just this is something that's happened to this one person in this one time. It's uh, understanding of his nature. There's something about his character or a story of provision if God... Provides for someone, we then understand that this is who he is. He's a provider. It isn't just he provided in this one situation. And I think there's a different approach for us to sometimes take in our minds with stories because I know for me, often when I hear someone sharing a testimony on a Sunday morning, it very often has very little to do with me. They might be sharing a testimony of um, how God has uh, opened up provision for something, and I'm like, well, I don't really have that. I haven't really seen that breakthrough. But the, the issue with that is that I'm very focused on myself. I'm very focused on how God is working in me. But actually, if I focus on, in that story on what God is doing, I'm able to then say, actually, God has done this in this person's life, whether it's me or anyone else. He's done it in this person's life. And that reveals something about who he is. And that is just as true for me as it is for them. Hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> I don't it makes sense in my head, but I'm trying to trying to get it out. So it, it's a change of position of mm-hmm. this is what God is like. It's it's not um one off story, but it's this is who he is, this is his character, this is his nature. And those things are eternal, those things don't change. The Bible tells us that God never changes, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that is that's true. So w- when we uncover that part of his character that part of his nature, who he is, that is eternal, that is something that we will take with us forever. So that's a really precious thing, and I believe that every story there is an invitation to get that little bit more of what he is like. It's not just a nice story, necessarily, but it is an invitation to learn more about who he is. And when I started to realize, I thought that is a really, really exciting thing, because I think one of you know, learning about God's nature and who he is is one of the most powerful things we can do. Um, when the enemy lies, he more often than not lies about the nature of God and who he is and what he's like. And so what we can do with stories is we can build up an arsenal, a a library of truths about who God is. Say, no, he's done this. He did this for this person. He, he did this. You know, the Bible is a storybook. There's hundreds of stories about what God's like. You know, he did this in my life. He's done this at this point. And we can remind ourselves of what he's like. And that, that's, that's exploring God's glory. It's almost like every time God does something, he acts. Every time he does a story, every time there's a testimony, like there's a little bit of gold dust that we can gather and take with us. Um, and actually, we can take other people's stories and make them our own. Um, there, there are often times where people have shared stories on a Sunday morning. I'm like, I'm taking that. Like, I I need to know what God is like in that right now. So I'm going to take that, and I'm going to really um, mull over, I'm really going to chew over that story and really allow God to teach me what he's like through that. And that's kind of the next thing I want to explore. It's um, it's just a different position we take when we're listening to these testimonies. Um, So rather than just hearing a testimony, thinking that's great, that's great for them, kind of like I explained before, that's a good story, there's uh, an active diligence we can take um, of actually taking that story saying no I'm going to explore this a little bit more I'm going to take this I'm going to hold it before God I'm going to invite him to speak to me through that story it doesn't have to have anything to do with us it doesn't need to relate with us in any way and that's the cool thing because there's no requirements it just needs to involve God and there are tons of stories like that um, so it's that active diligence another word I use for it is gold mining it's almost like you've got this story but you're kind of going a little bit deeper you you're taking, um, taking things a bit further. And it's something that the Bible refers to as meditation. Um, there's so many Bible verses, particularly in the Psalms, where, where David and the other psalmists uh, talk about this idea of meditating on what God has done, mulling over, chewing over. So, for example, in Psalm 77, it begins off by talking about the difficult situation that the psalmist is in and then it says but i will remember the deeds of the lord i will remember your wonders of old i will ponder all of your work and meditate on your mighty deeds you you are the god who works wonders you have made your might n- known among the peoples so it's that sense of i will meditate i will ponder i will call to mind those testimonies taking those stories and um, reminding ourselves, remembering them, and chewing over them, and letting God teach us what he's like. Um, there's another one, uh, Psalm 145, where it talks about one generation shall commend your works to another one, and declare your mighty acts. I love that, because it's about stories being passed down from generation to generation. It's uh, <laughs> There's a real stewarding. You can tell like these Guys in the Old Testament, they passed down these stories. They didn't have books. They didn't have the technology we have now. They, they had to pass it down through writing and through telling them the stories. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, on your wondrous works, I will meditate. And they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. So it's that thing of I will take these stories, and I'll meditate on them. I'll chew them over. I'll mine for the gold that's in them. I'll let them teach me about what you are like, and I'll recall them. And I think there's, there's something that we can do in remembering these stories. And it's interesting, when I was looking at the word to meditate that he uses in the Hebrew, one of the things it says is to sing and to speak, which is interesting, because I actually think a lot of the times when we're singing worship songs, what they're doing is they're reminding us of, of, of what God is like. They're actually recalling the stories of what God has done. And that's really, really cool, because um, Songs and music is a really amazing way to remember. And to speak as well, there's a, there's a conversation that we can be having of reminding each other of these stories. And I believe God has designed our minds to remember stories. And I think it's just that simple thing of when we hear a testimony, if we get that sense of there's something more in this story for me, it's saying, I'm going to take that with me. I'm going to meditate on that. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to be diligent with that. I'm going to recall it. Um, And that was something I started to do. I remember a while back, I was, um, it was at at a conference, and I remember we were starting to worship and starting to to sing songs. And I remember just as I was worshiping, as I was singing, for the first time ever, I remembered a story of what God had done. And it was someone, it was an old friend I knew who, um, who wasn't really following Jesus and was kind of choosing to go another way. And basically, God completely broke through in his life and turned him around and drew him back to him in an amazing, miraculous way. And I suddenly, this story came into my mind as we were worshipping. And I suddenly thought, oh my goodness, what does that tell me about God? His grace, his mercy, his ability to change around a situation, his power to change our hearts. And suddenly I found myself getting so... I can't really describe, just excited about who God was, about how powerful he was. And I just felt God saying, you're starting to get an idea of what worship is about, what praise is about. You're starting to understand that it's about taking the stories, learning about what I'm like in the story, and then letting that excite you, (laughs) basically. It's quite simple. And it's simple, but it does require that little bit of practice. It requires that taking the story, being diligent, doing that gold mining but I found that as I took time to do this, taking stories, meditating on them, pondering on them, mining for the gold in them, talking them through with people, I started to find they get a lot easier. It started to become a kind of instinct that when I heard a story, I was like, oh, that's what it says about God. And, you know, it's something I'm still trying to encourage myself to do more and more. Um, but it's that thing of these stories are a springboard into knowing who God is and, um, I think we can encourage each other in this. We can help each other in sharing the stories for a start, which is a very good thing. I know it's something I'm not very good at. I hate sharing stories about myself, but I know the power of it. So I know that it's something that needs to be done. So sharing the stories, but also encouraging each other by exploring how can this story, what does this reveal about God's nature and how can that apply to our own lives? Um, I get excited when I think about the amount of stories that are in this room when I think about the the stories of our family, and I remember I wrote just down like little one-word sentences on a piece of paper just to trigger my mind about the stuff that God has done. And I I think it's cool that it doesn't actually have to have anything to do with us. It doesn't have to be related to our situation. It just has to involve God. Um, And I want to finish just with one thing. I remember a while back when someone shared a testimony, and I remember John just afterwards just said, "That's that's my God. That's what he's like. That, that is who he is. That is my God. And I remember thinking, yeah, that's it. That, that's the thing. That, that's, it's taking that story and saying, this is my God. It's taking ownership of that story. So hopefully that sort of made sense, um, <laughs> kind of a, a collection of thoughts. But, um, yeah, it's just something I really want to encourage us in, this idea of stories, making them our own, learning about who God is through them. Um, yeah, so I think that's Jeremy. <laughs>
3: I guess maybe a, a slight disadvantage of uh, all four of us sharing something different with not the, the most amount of communication between us is we might sort of overlap a little bit on what we say. But I guess hopefully, you know, it will help reinforce the message um, a bit. But, you know, we're, we're talking about stories this morning, so I'm going to continue in that theme. And um, when I think of my dad sitting here, um, we've had a bit of a taster of it already today. Um, i think of a storyteller you know that's just his passion that's what he loves doing when he's telling a story he just comes alive you see something light up inside of him and uh, you know i think of the stories he would tell us as kids growing up and you know he'd read the books and he'd do like all the different voices and we'd be like oh can you do this story tonight dad and you know he'd just do all of these and regional accents as well he's got a real amazing gift for regional accents so you know, the, the kind of story books would all have regional accents and, you know, appropriate to all the different characters. And and I just, I can't separate the idea of my dad from the idea of a storyteller. And I just know that when I think of my heavenly dad, it's exactly the same. He's a storyteller. That's who he is. That's his heart. That's his passion. And, uh, and my earthly dad gets that desire and that passion from my heavenly dad. Um, and so I, I wanted to kind of... Shift a bit, and, and uh, we kind of felt we wanted to, to finish today thinking about the, the overarching story of, of salvation that actually God's written um, throughout history. The Bible talks about God being the author of life, that He's the one who created life, you know, that we're His story, we're His poem, we're the people He's created. Um, as we've looked at today, the structure of stories, you know, the beginning, the middle, and the end. You know, the fact that we get emotionally caught up when there's there's a cliffhanger and we're desperate to know what happens in a story. Um, that desire in us to know what happens in a story, that's our God-breathed passion for stories, uh, stirring within us. And it, it can be easy to think sometimes that the world owns storytelling. You know, whether it's kind of massive, high budget. Uh, blockbusters or you know trashy fiction or whatever it may be, you kind of think, oh, that's the world's thing. You know, that's that's what that's what the world does. But it's not like it's totally God's thing. Stories are designed by God, and they're designed for us to be enjoyed. Um, God owns stories; He owns storytelling. And as we've seen, He spoke to us through a storybook. And when Jesus came in the flesh to speak to us, He spoke to us in stories. And it's just, it's so clear. Um, so what about this, this greatest story that, that God wrote? Um, for me, when I think about really good stories, uh, most of them have like a seemingly irresolvable problem at the heart of them. Um, so whether it's, you know, how does a bunch of hobbits destroy a magical ring in order to save the world? You know, that, that's a problem. You know, how, how does that happen? Or, you know, who could ever learn to love a beast? You know, I, we recently watched Beauty and the Beast. And, um, you yeah, that's a problem. That's, that's a, real, a real problem. Um, or, you know, what do you do with a crazed mouse in your bedroom um, at 2 o'clock in the morning? Problem, you know. And when I think about the history of, of the world and, and salvation, I think the problem at the heart of this is how can a holy, all-powerful, perfect God, how can the Alpha and Omega who created everything relate to us human beings who are very much not holy and perfect and all-powerful. Um, in fact, you know, as we've already seen this morning, some of us feel like we've got you know, bird poo all over us. You know, how can this happen? This is a problem. How can an all-powerful God relate to us? But also when I think about good stories, I think often they have an unexpected twist. Something happens, something changes um, that comes out of the blue. And I think God wrote the most amazing plot twist ever devised in that he became a human being, like God actually became a human being. And there's that really famous prophecy in Isaiah 53 that people often talk about at Easter, and it talks about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, um, how he took our sin upon himself. And it starts with two really interesting lines. It says, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And my kind of modern-day interpretation of that is, who saw that coming? Like, who? Literally, who saw that coming? You know, the God of all the universe shows up in a smelly stable as a baby. I mean, what? Like, that's crazy. That's the greatest plot twist ever invented. And nobody saw it coming. The enemy didn't see it coming. Human beings, we didn't see it coming. And that's God. That's our storyteller. And um, the other thing is, though, that. That we human beings, when Jesus came to us, we actually put him to death. We put Jesus to death. As Peter says in the book of Acts, he says, you killed the author of life. We killed Jesus. We, we hung him on a cross. Um, but as we know, and as is kind of very evident at this time of year, God raised him to life. And in his resurrection, we can have new life. And this resurrection of Jesus... Um, became the turning point of all history. But I really don't believe God's intention was, was for, God, for Jesus' resurrection to just be a, a historical fact that happened 2,000 years ago. Um, I believe he intended for it to be the turning point of our lives as well. Um, because when we say to Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life, I believed you died and that God raised you from the dead, and that now you're Lord of everything. And I want you to be Lord of my life. When we say that to Jesus, it's as if God writes the resurrection into the narrative of our lives. And until that point, I believe all of our lives are heading to a, a dead end, quite, quite literally. But as soon as we accept Jesus as Lord of our life, it's as if God just opens this doorway into eternity. And, and the plot of our lives twists off in an unexpected direction. Um, because a lot of people try to write the story of their own lives. I mean, I've tried it. You know, for so long, I was constantly thinking, "Oh, you know, I'd love to get this job, or I'd love to do this thing with my life, or maybe you know, I bet this relationship is going to be really good for me. And, and we have all these ideas about what would make a good story, what would be adventurous or exciting or interesting. But ultimately, we are not equipped to write the story of our lives. And when we say to God, when we say to Jesus... I want you to be Lord of my life. It's as if we hand him the pen and say, I want you to author the rest of my life. And we give everything into his hands because he knows exactly what direction to take us in. He knows how to turn our life in a good direction, as, as my mom said earlier. He has good things planned for us. He has adventures. He has unexpected twists. He has resolutions that we couldn't have dreamed of. And so I just feel... Um, today that that maybe there's this reminder that actually maybe for the first time or again we could be saying to God, I want to hand that pen to you. I want to say that I'm not going to write my life. I'm not going to try and write the story of my life, regain control of the narrative, but actually I want you to take control and and lead my life in the direction you want to lead it. Um, Obviously we're talking at the moment as a church about being led by the Spirit about being sensitive to to what the Spirit is saying, what the Spirit is doing. And I believe that's the adventure of of having God write the story of our life, is we're saying, God, where do you want to take me today? What chapter have you got to write now? Um, What have you got for me to do? What job, you know, what friendships have you got for me to pursue? Uh, What words have you got for me to speak um, or to say? And this could be the first time you've ever done that. First time you've ever said, Jesus, I believe you're Lord, and I want to hand over the pen of my life to you. Or it could be just a reminder and a sense that maybe, actually, maybe I did do that. But I, I'm, I find myself kind of trying to regain control and rewrite bits myself. And I just want to completely say, God, no, it's in your hands. I trust you in what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, that's where I think I want to finish.